to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. I want to start off by giving you some relationship advice. Now, I'm not saying you need it more than anybody else. We all need it. How many of you would like some just basic, simple relationship advice? Three of you. Okay, good. I'm going to give it to you. The rest of you will benefit from it anyway. This is good for any relationship. If you want to have a good, solid relationship, there's lots and lots of stuff you can do, lots and lots of things you can learn about relationship. But here is what I have learned over many, many years, the most important things about having solid relationships. First of all, talk. Now, don't over-talk. I mean, you've got to balance all it all out. But, I mean, don't be one of those you just sit there and you just nod your head or you just ignore the person. You know, if you're going to have a relationship, you've got to communicate. You've got to talk. The second piece is listen. Really listen. Don't just pretend you're listening. Don't just selectively, but really listen. The third piece is this. Do what pleases them. Now, I don't mean just make it do anything, but... Put your focus on them. What's most important? What's best? What's the best thing for them? Don't be self-focused. Be the other person focused. And then the fourth and last piece of advice is repeat. That's it. I know there's a lot more things we can do about relationships, but that is the most simple thing about having a wonderful relationship is talk, listen. So you've got communication going on. Put the other person first. Do what they would like. You know, what's best for them, and then repeat. Say, Pastor, what does that have to do with the sermon today? I thought you were going to be preaching on seeking God or seeking first or something like that. We are, and that does relate, and you'll see in just a little bit. But we are in this sermon series, second week of four, and the sermon series is called Seek First. To seek means to look for, to pursue, you know, but there's more than just a a half-hearted attempt. It's really important. So last week we said... And if you missed last week, you can watch it online or listen to it. That when we talk about seeking, we're talking about passionately pursuing something. And when we talk about first, we don't necessarily mean first in time necessarily, but first in importance. So what we're focusing on in this sermon series is a lot of things that we pursue in life. But what is it that we pursue first? And last week, we, we, answered, we, we tried to answer that question. What will you seek first? The key verse for our whole series is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Those things being what you need in life. If you put God first, he'll take care of your needs. If you put God first, he'll take care of you. If you pursue what God has for you, everything else will be taken care of. He promises us that. So, today we're going to continue that series by talking about one of the three things we're going to look at that we need to seek. And that is we need to seek God first. Just seek God first. I know the verse says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And those are the next two messages we'll deal with. In this series. But you know, God doesn't want us to just seek his purposes and his kingdom and living a good life without a relationship with him. So we've got to seek God first. And that's what we want to talk about 
today. And we're going to be looking at a story in 2 Chronicles chapters 14, 15, and 16. You may not believe it can happen, but I'm going to prove it can. But we're going to cover three chapters today, not every verse. But we'll be looking at it in just a little bit. But first of all, I want to talk to you about God's promises for seeking him. God makes some special promises about seeking him. It's a theme all through scripture. One of the most commonly known one is Jeremiah 29, verses 13 and 14, where God says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I did a search in my Bible software for seeking the Lord or seek the Lord or seek God or seek, you know, whatever. And I had a list of verses a mile long. It's a theme you see all through Scripture, and it's always in the context, if you will seek me, you will find me. If I seek the Lord, I will find him. That is a promise. Similar idea, but worded a little bit differently. It gives us a little bit of a different feel. A promise of God, if I draw near to God, he will draw near to me. If I draw near, if I take steps toward God, he will take steps toward me. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then the, the last promise I'm going to deal with, because this is just kind of the introductory thing, God blesses those who seek him. God blesses those who seek him. Hebrews chapter 11 is all about faith. And in verse 6, it says that he, God, rewards those who seek him. One of the most famous promises and verses about God's responding to those who seek him is one that many of us could quote, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And there's a lot of other verses in the Bible that talks about when those who truly seek God, the various blessings that God puts into their lives. But as we think about seeking God and we heard these promises, I guarantee you that probably for most of you, if not all of you, none of the promises I just mentioned take you by surprise. I've heard those before. I've read those in the Bible. I've heard people talking about how we need to seek God and God blesses those. And, you know, if we go close to him, we can have a relationship with him and all that kind of stuff. But I think sometimes we feel like this idea of seeking God is we're playing a game of hide and seek. You know what hide and seek is, right? You know, one person is it, everybody else hides and they have to try to find them. And unfortunately, we bring that idea into the concept of seeking God, we, we look at it like God's trying to hide from us. But that isn't true. God is not trying to hide from us. There may be times we feel like that. Because there are times that God chooses to be silent. There are times when God may feel distant even though he's not. And those are times when God is trying to stretch our faith. And help us grow and mature. And he's wanting to teach us something. So I wanted to throw that in really quickly. Even though we're talking about the other part of it. There may be some of you that are here today. That you know it's like where is God at? You know he seems like he is hiding from me. You know he, I, don't, I can't hear his voice right now. You just keep being faithful. You'll come out the other side. You'll have grown, learned, strengthened faith. That's the whole purpose of it. But the Bible makes it very clear that God deliberately 
orchestrates the events of our lives so that hopefully we as human beings will seek him. Some choose to and some don't. There have been times I've wondered, Lord, why in the world did you let me be blessed? Because I look at it as a blessing to be born at this time in history, in the place where I was born, the family I have, and all that kind of stuff. But the answer is right there in the Bible. In Acts chapter 17, verses 26 and 27, Paul is preaching. And in this middle of this sermon, he says this, And God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. What that tells me is that God placed each of us and every human being at a unique place and time in human history, knowing that you would have the most opportunity if you choose to seek him to find him. So God is not hiding. God wants to be found by us. And so I want to talk about that today. How do we seek God? Because we cling to the promises. God says, if you seek me, you'll find me. But what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we seek God? I mean, it's not like we can say, hey, God's in the building. See if you can find him. Well, I'll check the men's bathroom. You check the ladies' bathroom. You know, I'll look in the kitchen. You, you check. You know, no, it's not like that. But what does it mean to seek him? Because it doesn't mean to go out and physically look somewhere. It goes back to my opening illustration. Good advice for relationships. It's the same thing for seeking God. Talk to him. Listen to him. Pursue what pleases him. And repeat. There's a lot more to it. I know that. And each one of those could be a sermon, sermon series in themselves. But if we can just get those things down, we will seek God. He'll be found by us and we'll experience all the blessings he wants to put in our lives. And many of us have already experienced that because we're in that process. We may not have it perfect yet because I know I don't have it perfect yet. But if you really want to seek God, talk to him. Listen to him. Pursue what pleases him. And then repeat. And then repeat. We're going to see that in the story we're going to look at today. As I said, we're going to cover a couple chapters. You say, Pastor Tim, you can't do that. Well, I'm going to prove you wrong. But we're looking at first, uh, sorry, Second Chronicles chapter 14. And we're going to breeze through three chapters. I'm not going to read every verse. We're going to read the most pertinent ones. But I encourage you to, um, to read this whole story for yourself. The reason I chose this story is there is more mentioned about seeking God or the failure to seek God in these three chapters than any other story in the Bible. The verb for seek used in conjunction with seeking God is used nine times in this story. And the author of Chronicles loves that uh, concept because he mentions it over 30 times. And as I read through this story and we take a look at it and talk about some of the details, pay really close attention how this king, it's one of the kings of Israel, his name is King Asa. Okay, he's Solomon's great-great-grandson, or great-grandson, I forget which one, okay? It'd be grand, uh, great-grandson, all right? Solomon, then Rehoboam, and then his father Abijah, then Asa. But anyway, pay attention as we go through this story, how he and the people that he led as king either sought God or didn't seek God, how that involved talking to God, listening to God, pursuing what was important to God, 
and the importance of repeating that, okay? So we jump into the story at 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 1, and it mentions Abijah, who is a king, and he's Asa's father. It says, Abijah slept with his fathers, which means he died, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his day, the land had rest for ten years. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord as God. Now, that's a great start. Unfortunately, there's so many kings. And at this time, God's kingdom has had a civil war and they've split. This is the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom. Hardly ever did anybody under their their king seek God. But in the southern kingdom, some of the kings sought God and some didn't. Well, Asa was one of the first ones to really seek God. I don't know about you, but I want that to be said about me. When I get to the end of my life. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Verse 3. He took away the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the Asherim. And commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandment. In other words, he did everything he could to get rid of all the idol worship. Got rid of the idols, the shrines, the temples, the altars, all that stuff that had been accumulated over the years as people began to pursue other gods. He says, let's get rid of all that junk. And then he told all his people, let's seek the Lord, the God of our fathers, and keep his laws and his commandments. We're going to skip down a little bit. It talks about he had some building programs and stuff. And we get down to the second part of verse 7. And basically saying, you know, we're really fortunate we still have this land because, you know, under previous kings, they pursued all these gods. He says, the land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he's given us peace on every side. So they built and prospered. Jump down a couple, another verse or so. It talks about how he built an army. And then in verse 9, we find that even if you seek God, problems still show up. But if you continue to seek God, he brings victory. Verse 9, Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots and came as far as Merishah. And it says that Asa took his army and went out to meet him and looked down at verse 11. And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. This overwhelming army came against them. And Asa says, let's seek God. And he calls out to God, and he says, God, you can help us whether we're many, or you can help us while we're few. He had a big army, but it wasn't near as big as the army of these Ethiopians. He says, God, don't let man uh, get victory over you. And so God intervened and they had victory. And the story goes on to say that they gained a lot of plunder and all that kind of stuff. We get to verse uh, chapter 15. They're coming back from this battle. 2 Chronicles 15, 1, it says, The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin... The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel 
was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. And he goes on to talk a little bit how in the past there were times that God's people walked away from him, wandered away from him, and they got into all kinds of trouble. But then when they sought God, God showed up. Verse 7, But you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work will be rewarded. Verse 8, as soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Odin, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all of the land. Apparently, as, as, as much as he tried to get everything out of the land, there was still some. He says, we've got to pursue this even more. There's still more wickedness. There's still more junk in our land. We've got to get rid of it. And so he was just energized. Hey, I'm doing the right thing. Let's keep it up. In verse 9, it says, he gathered all of Judah and Benjamin together. And then in verse 12, it says, they entered into a covenant, an agreement together to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul. He says, okay, guys, I know we've been doing this, but we just got to make a commitment. Let's seek God with everything we've got. Verse 14, they swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice. And with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. They had a great worship service. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath. For they had sworn with all their heart. And had sought him with their whole desire. And he was found by them. Whatever that looked like, God was found by them. And the Lord gave them rest all around. Even Maka, his mother, King Asa, removed from being queen mother. Because she had made a detestable image for Asherah. Asa cut her down her image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook Kidron. i got to pause here for just a second, okay? It says, even Maka, or Maka, I don't know how you pronounce her name. This is Asa's mother, maybe his grandmother. Some debate about that because it basically means female ancestor. She was the queen mother, which was an official position in the court, okay? It's like if you married the king... Then you became the queen mother. And even after that king died, you still had certain power and authority in the kingdom. The, you know, your son or grandson, whoever was the next king, would be king. They had ultimate power, ultimate authority, but you still had a lot of influence. And it said that Asa's mother or grandmother, whichever one she was, was still exercising a lot of influence, but unfortunately to worship idols. Can you imagine how hard it was for Asa to stand up to his mother? And saying, we can't pursue this course anymore. Even though you're my mom, we're not going to pursue idol worship anymore. And to tear down everything she'd done to promote the worship of idols. But you know what? If the story ended there, that'd be so cool. Man, Asa, this king, he had this heart to please God. He sought God. He led his people to seek God. You know, troubles came up, but they continued to seek God, and God brought victory, and, and he took a stand. But unfortunately, the story doesn't end there. We still have one more chapter to go, chapter 16. In the 36th year, this is later, 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 toward the end of his life. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, this is the northern kingdom that, again, years ago there was a civil war. This is the other kingdom, some rivalry between them, some wars between them. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah that he might permit no one to go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. In other words, he built this fortress on the border between their countries so people couldn't go back and forth. 
You see, people in the northern part, if they still wanted to worship God, would have to go to the other capital, to the other nation, to worship God in his temple in Jerusalem. He says, I don't want people leaving my country and going down. They may change loyalty. So the king, he built this fortress there. So what did Asa do? I'd like to be able to read to you that he sought God and God settled it, but that isn't what he did. Verse 2. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus. This is another king on the other side of his enemy. And this is what he said. He says, let there be a covenant between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I'm sending you silver and gold. Go, break your covenant with Basha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. So, this king of Syria had had a relationship with Basha, and, and Asa says, hey, I'm going to pay you to break that off and cause him trouble, and Basha did exactly that. He broke off his relationship. I mean, the, the king of Syria did that. He broke off his relationship with Basha and started fighting on his northern border so that Basha had to withdraw and go up to his northern border, and Asa was able to tear down that city, use the materials to build some garrisons for himself. We jump down to verse 7. God sends another prophet to speak to Asa. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Whereas he says, someday they're going to cause you trouble and I was going to give you victory, but now you're not going to have victory. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose hearts is blameless toward him. You've done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. Whereas he says, you know what, you could have finished your reign with no wars. But you chose to rely on another man instead of on God. You chose to seek help from another king instead of seeking God. Then Asa I'd like to read Asa repented, but he didn't. Then Asa was angry with the seer, which is another word for prophet, and put him in the stocks in prison, for he was enraged with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at that time. Verse 12. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease... He did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign. Three chapters about the life of Asa. A king who started so well, lived most of his life, ruled his people for so long, so well, seeking God. When problems came up, calling out to God, experiencing victory and deliverance. But whatever happened, and we don't know exactly what may have caused him to shift, because the story doesn't tell us. But later in his life, he chose not to seek God. And when problems came up, to seek help from other sources. And even when he himself personally had a major physical problem, did not turn to God. What can we learn from this? Well, we can learn a lot about how to seek God. How do we seek God? Again, getting back to that basic 
relationship advice because seeking God is all about having a good relationship with God. A two-way street relationship with God. A close relationship with God. So there may be a lot of nuances and uh, little details that we can continue to learn, but basically, how do we seek God? We talk to Him. We listen to Him. We pursue what pleases Him. And then we repeat. See, that's where Asa messed up. He didn't repeat. He talked to God. He listened to Him. He pursued what was important to Him, what was best for Him. But He didn't continue to do it His entire life. So let's look at each of those for just a little bit. First of all, how do we seek God? Talk to him. Develop your prayer life. Say, Pastor, you preach about that a lot. I do. Because it's important. It's important. Spending time with God. Talking to him. We see in this story that Asa prayed for help and he expressed his confidence in the Lord. Later, when he gathered all the people together, it says they swore an oath to the Lord. I'm, involved, I'm sure there was involved in that prayer, talking to God, okay? Communicating with him. And when we look at our story, if we have a desire to seek God, how do we do that? It's gonna, we're going to talk to him. We're going to pray. We're going to learn to pray. You know, any relationship you have that is a relationship of significance is that way because there is communication, You talk to that person. You know, my wife is overseas. We talked about that earlier. She's in Thailand, coming home on Wednesday. I am so glad for modern technology. I have talked to her several times every day. And a couple of times we were able to do it with video. She's out. She's not even in the capital of Thailand. She's kind of out in kind of the countryside. And we were able to see each other and talk to each other. And we did because talking is important to us. It's one of the main things that strengthens our relationship. And just as that is true for our relationship with another human being, it is true for our relationship with God. We need to talk to him. You say, well, prayer is not really my strong point. That's okay. You can learn. You can grow. We've preached and taught before. We will again on more focus on how do you do that. And, but I just challenge you to strengthen your prayer relationship with God. Develop your prayer life. And let me give you one last piece of advice before we move to the next one. Seek God's face, not just his hand. What does that mean? In other words, spend time with God and talk to him just because you want a relationship with him, not just because you want something from him. I've said this many times. What kind of a friend is it that only comes to talk to you when they're asking you for something? No, that's not a friend. That's someone who hopes to get something from you. A friend talks with you. Yes, they can come to you just like we can come to God and ask for what we need. And God welcomes that. God wants us. That's one of the points. He wants us to come to him with, his, with our needs, not to somebody else first. But if that's all we come to God for, it's kind of humorous because I went for a bike ride with my daughter uh, Friday afternoon. And while we were riding along, I was doing some praying and I was praying about this service and everything. And to be honest with you, it was really the first thing I started praying. I'm riding along and say, hey, this is a good time to pray because I do that often. And so I said, dear Lord, by the way, I'm working on my sermon. 
So would you help me? And I started praying all this stuff about working on this and help me to get things clear in my head. I got a lot of material cover. Help me to do it well, you know, and help me to do it in such a way people understand and they can relate to it. They can apply to, you know, and then I realized, God, I'm doing exactly what I'm going to talk about not doing. I'm asking for your hand before I spend talking to your face and says, okay, God, I'm done. I said, Lord, I love you. And I just spent some time talking, Lord, I love you. Thank you so much for the relationship we have and just kind of communicated with him. And then when I got this, okay, now, Lord, about my sermon. (laughs) And I think he was okay with that. But you know, the same thing is true for us. Seek God's face and not just his hand. You can seek his hand. The hand of God is reaching out to help us. The arm of the Lord is strong on behalf of his people. But seek his face, not just his hand. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 27, 8. You, talking about God, have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. So develop your prayer life. Talk to God. Second thing, how do we seek God? Listen to him. Listen to him. Meditate on God's word. Now, I use that word meditate on purpose instead of read or study because meditating involves both of those. Meditating means I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to try to dig into it. And I'm going to think about it and think about what it means and what it means to me, and how it should impact my life. I'm not just going to say, well, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year this year. So I got a reading plan. It reads about three chapters a day. Great thing to do. And you just zip through it. You don't get anything out of it. Or even if you're not that ambitious, say, well, I'm going to read a chapter a day. And you zip through it, and you don't get anything out of it. You need to listen as you read God's word or as you hear God's word preached and taught or as you hear God's spirit speaking to your heart. Listen. Listen to God. We look at Asa's story. It starts out, it says he did what was good and right. How do you know what was good and right? He had heard from God. Through his word, they had copies of the, 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 the part of the Old Testament was, that was written, especially the Pentateuch, you know, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's called the law. It was very, very important to them. He knew what it said. Therefore, he knew what to do. He listened to the prophets. In the story, there's two of them that speak. The first one, he liked what he said, and he was happy. Second one, he didn't like what he said. He was unhappy. Have you ever faced that with God's word? You read God's word, you hear a preacher taught, it's like, I like that. And chances are it's because you're doing it right. I like that part. And then there's a part that's like, ooh, I don't like that. Chances are it's because we're not doing it right. The big thing is how we're going to respond. That's the next point, so I'll stop on that for right now. But he was listening to the prophets, and when he gathered the people together and they made that commitment, we're going to seek God together. It says he commanded them to keep the law and the commandment. In other words, you need to go God's word, know God's word so we can keep it. A little known fact, it's in the Bible, I encourage you to read it later, but in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 18 to 20, when God was given instructions to Moses to write down, he said, someday my people are going to have a king. This is what a king is supposed to do. Now, I don't know how many did because it never talks about it in the Bible. But God told Moses that when a king comes to his throne, he is to take a copy of the law, that Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and he is to make a copy for himself. And it's one of the first things he's to do as a king is to sit down with a copy of the law, probably got it from the priest in the temple, and he is to hand write out a copy for himself, and he is to keep it with him at all times and read it, and the intent is that he can do the right thing. 
Makes me wonder if maybe Asa had done that because it seems like he's so familiar with God's law and he's got this passion, he's got this desire. We're going to seek God and we're going to do what's right. Now, I'm not telling you how to go home and make a copy of the Bible for yourself by handwriting it out. But I'm just saying, make it that important in your life that you spend time with God and his word, you listen to him, you meditate on his word. And as I mentioned, unfortunately, you know, the first prophet came and he was saying, you did great. And so Asa was like, yay. The second prophet said, you blew it. And instead of Asa repenting and listening to God's voice and appropriately responding, he locked the prophet up, put him in stocks in the prison. And it seems like that was a turning point in his life. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge me. When you read something in God's word, you hear something preached, and it's true to God's word, and it just strikes you hard because you know you don't measure up. Don't do what Asa did. Repent if it's sinful. Turn around even if it's not sinful, but you've got to change direction and begin to do what God wants you to do. You know, we need to listen to God. We need to know what he thinks about things. It's really sad that in our nation, we're basically biblically illiterate. In general, our cultural society, and even Christians, know so little about what God's word really says. We need to change that. So we need to stop ignoring God when we don't agree with what he says. And another thing I like to say is don't pick and choose. You know, don't say, well, I like this part of God's word and that part of God's word, that part of God, and I'm going to ignore the rest of it because I don't like it, you know. Rubs me the wrong way. Convicts me. The third piece of advice or the thing that will help us to seek God is trust him. Grow in faith. That goes back to the part that says, well, you know, do what the other person wants. Do what's best for the other person. You know, do what they want. Well, this is it. We've got to trust God. That's what trust is all about. It's like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you, so I'm going to do what you want me to do, and that is faith. That really is the definition of faith. It is doing what God wants you to do, even if you don't understand, even if you don't agree, even if it's confusing, even if you don't like it. You're going to do what God says instead of what you want to do. Just like in a human relationship, I want to do what's best for that other person. I want to take their needs and interests and desires into consideration more than my own. So if we're going to seek God, we need to trust him and we need to grow in our faith. Psalm 910 says, And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. We trust him. These have a couple of little sub-points. Let me give them to you really quick. What is involved in this whole idea of trusting God? What does that look like in everyday life? Number one, go with God. Don't expect him to go with you. See, what do you mean by that? It goes back to that statement that's made in chapter 15, verse 2, where the first prophet comes to Asa and says, hey, you're doing a great job. Just a principle to keep in mind. The Lord is with you when you are with him. That sounds kind of redundant, but keep that in mind. That basically means that if you stick with him, God's with you. You've got his presence, his power, his authority, his work within your life. But you see, too often, even as believers, we have a tendency to want to go the other way. God, I've got a plan, I've got a purpose, I've got a desire, I'm going to do this, and would you kind of go with me? Can I tell you, if you're not going the same way God's going, he's not going to be with you. You've got to go the same way God's going. And that's what I mean by that. You go with God, don't expect him to go with you. 
We have a tendency to make all our plans and say, God, would you bless my plans? No, we need to get God involved before we make the plans and say, God, I'm making my plans. Now, what's your plan? What's your purpose? What do you want me to do about this situation? I came up with this yesterday. I kind of like it. It says, don't ask the Lord to bless what you're doing. Ask him to let you do what he is blessing. Don't ask the Lord to bless what you're doing, but ask him to let you do what he is blessing, or what he wants to bless. A second little thing, just obviously do what God says. That's what faith is. It's trusting God enough to do what he says. It's obedience. In Asa's story, there's one point where it says, as soon as Asa heard these words, he immediately did what he was told to do. That needs to be our attitude, our heart. I think of that old song, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We exercise our faith and do what he says to do. Sometimes we have a hard time finding God when we're seeking him. It's because we're resisting him. I was making up my notes, and I came up with a bunch of different statements. They all say the similar thing, and I'm going to give them all to you, see which ones might strike home. Hopefully none of them, but if they do, stop resisting him. Stop pushing him away. Stop running away from him. Stop, stop telling him to back off. So I'd never tell God to back off. Maybe not with those words, but sometimes we do, don't we? He touches on an area of our life we don't want to deal. It's like, mm, God, back off. Okay, God, I'll back off. You know, it's interesting, I never really found this before, but as I was searching this out, I found out that God actually says he will back off. If people resist him. In Hosea 5.15, God is speaking. He says, I will return again to my place. Not that we can put God in his place, but he basically says, I'm going to back off. I'll return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress earnestly seek me. What that tells me is that if we keep pushing God away, push him aside, backing off from him, running away from him, resisting him, ignoring him, God says, okay, I'll step back. All right, I'll back off. Basically, that's what you're telling me you want me to do. You want me to back off? I'll back off. And when you fall into trouble, you'll call out to me, and I'll come back. That's a good promise, but, you know, there's always consequences. That's a whole other sermon. When we talk about doing what God says, there are a couple of our aspects to that is, you know, one of them is doing what he wants us to do, doing his work. That's actually the next sermon in this series when we talk about seeking first God's kingdom. And the other part of it is the way it affects our personal life, living a life that is pleasing to him. And we're going to deal with that in the last message of this series, series on seeking first God's righteousness. But do what God says. And then get rid of the garbage in your life. We see this in Asa's story. When he made that commitment to seek God, he said, we got to get rid of all this garbage, all these idols and shrines and altars. And, you know, we have to interpret that and translate that into our lives. What's the garbage in our lives? The good news is we got lots of descriptions in the Bible. Old Testament, but especially the New Testament. The garbage that we need to get out of our lives, the sinful attitudes and actions and, and, and motives and thoughts and all that kind of stuff and the other habits that may be there. We need to get rid of that garbage in our lives. And then the last one under this thing about doing what God says. Turn to God first. Then turn to other sources of help as he directs or permits. Is your first resource God 
I know I said seek his face, not just his hand, but he wants us to seek his hand. He wants us to come to him for what we need because he loves us. He wants what's best for us, as we talked about last week, and he wants to extend his hand to help us. Do you go to him first? Or when you have a problem or a need, do you go to somebody else? Because who you go to first is really who's most important. And we're talking about relationship. And if we want God our relationship, our relationship with God to be first, we need to go to him first. In Asa's story, when the army came, Asa cried out to God. God delivered and they had victory. But unfortunately, later when there was a problem, he just turned to another king. and said, hey, I'll pay you off to do what I need you to do. And um, it was successful to a degree. But he had God's disapproval because God said, I could have taken care of that problem for you. I wanted to take care of that problem for you. But you turned to another man instead of me. And then with the problem, with the health issue with his feet, it said, it almost comes across like he just absolutely refused to ask God about it. Instead, he turned to the physicians and he, no, they weren't able to help him. Now, please understand, that is not a verse that's meant to be used to say you should never go to a doctor. God, I believe God has been behind, God is behind all truth in every realm, including medicine. And it's a blessing of God that we have people that through the years have pursued medicine and how the body works and how it responds to different things and what can heal and all that kind of stuff. God, I believe, is 100% on the side of doctors and them helping people. But the point is, if we go to the doctor before we even go to God, that seems to indicate that the doctor is more important than God is, at least in that area of our life. So the problem wasn't so much that Asa went to the doctors, it's just he refused to go to God. Go to God first. And that's true for every area of life. Take everything to God. Do we turn to God first with everything? And the last one is repeat. In other words, don't stop doing it. Don't stop talking to God. Don't stop listening to God. Don't stop doing what he says. Perhaps there was a time in your life where you know of somebody else that They did all those things and something happened and they just stopped or they drifted away. We talked about drifting away last week. Don't stop. Asa had such a good start and lived most of his life and ruled his kingdom so well for so long. But at the end, he dropped the ball. Unfortunately, he had a good example for that in his great-grandfather, King Solomon. King Solomon... When Solomon took the throne, David told him in 1 Chronicles 28, 9, he says, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. And if you seek him, he will be found by you, but if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. And you look at Solomon's story, and he sought God at the beginning. He built the temple. God's presence and power came down. God gave him great wisdom, and he gave him power and authority and great wealth. But if you study the life of Solomon, you see he began to turn away, primarily because he took foreign wives to make alliances with other countries instead of trusting in God. And those wives turned his heart to follow after idols. The Bible says he began to mistreat the people and the way he abused them in the hiring practices and I should say hiring in the, in, the, in the way they served him and the work they did for him. And unfortunately, he didn't end well. He didn't end well. So as far as our story is concerned, we need to do our best with God's help, but don't give up. And when you fail or you fall, don't give up. Get back up. And say, God, I messed up. 
forgive me. I want to keep going forward. You know, if Asa would have repented when that prophet came to him, he still would have had some consequences because he made the wrong choice, but he'd been good with God. If Asa would have turned to God with a disease in his feet, perhaps God would have totally healed it and he'd have finished strong, even though he messed up in the middle. I've shared this before, not recently, but, you know, one of the passions and desires in my heart at this time in my life, at the age of 63, almost 64, is I want to finish strong. I've had the privilege of serving the Lord pretty much all my life. And I've not done it perfectly, but I'm trying my best with his help. But I don't want to blow it at the end. Every once in a while you see a story that blows up the news about this great Christian evangelist or pastor or teacher or whatever who really pursued God for so long and then got messed up in some big deal. Whatever it was, it usually has to do with sex or money. I say, God, I want to finish strong. But that should be the desire of all of our hearts. God, help me to finish strong. So how do we seek God? We talk to him. We listen to him. We, we trust him and do what pleases him. And then we just repeat. We say, well, that's just too simple. You know, sometimes we want to make things so complicated. So complicated. There's a lot of growth in all those areas, but it's that simple. Communicate with God. Talk to him, listen to him, develop that relationship. Do what he calls you to do. May God allow and help our desire to increase. In Psalm 63, 1, I think it was David, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Can I confess to you, I'm not quite there yet. Now, if that lowers me in your opinion, that's life. I want to be there. And I'm a lot closer to being there than I used to be. I want to be the place where, God, I am so thirsty and so hungry. I am thirsty and hungry for God, his presence and his power in my life. Don't get me wrong. But I want to be even more. As we end it, I'm just going to ask you to stand. I had a couple more things I was going to say, but it's, I'm, I'm going to stop right there because I feel like we should. Let's all stand together. And I say, how many of you would say, that's my heart too, or I want it to be my heart. God, I want to pursue you. I, I, I want to desire you and your plans and your will more than anything else. Let's ask him for that right now. Father God, we just come to you. And Lord, you've spoken through your word. You have promised us that if we seek you, we'll find you. And God, we, many of us, maybe most of us, have experienced that to be true, but if they're like me, Lord God, it's like, I want to find more of you. I want to draw closer to you. I want to experience more of your presence and your power and your intimacy in my life. And Lord, to have that happen, I've got to seek you. And Lord, you see the hearts and the hands that have been lifted today of those who say, I want to seek God. I want that desire to be strong in my life. And God, you know the areas where it's difficult for us to do that. Lord, for some... They're strong in prayer, but weak in interacting with your word. For some, they're strong in interacting with your word, but weak in prayer. Lord, help us in the areas of our weakness. For all of us, Lord God, we struggle to obey because our flesh fights against what you want for us and what you know is best for us. Father God, help us to walk in obedience. And God, I pray that when we fall, when we fail, that we'd be so quick 
to respond to the conviction of your Holy Spirit, to say, God, I'm sorry. I repent. Forgive me. May we not respond like Asa and say, oh, well, God, I'm going to go my own way. And Father, I'm praying for myself, but I'm sure there are many others who say, God, I want to finish strong. God, I want to get to the end of my life, whenever that might be, and be able to look back and say, I wasn't perfect, but I tried hard to live for Jesus. And I wasn't sidetracked by a bunch of junk and didn't have some big moral failure or something else. God, I thank you there's forgiveness even after that kind of stuff, but Lord, I don't want it to happen to me. And so, Lord, many of us join together and say, God, help us to finish strong. Help us to pursue you with a passion. Growing in our relationship with you. Being used in your kingdom. Strong all the days of our life. And Father, we thank you and we praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, this is one of those messages you can finish with a commitment like we just did. But the rubber meets the road when you go out and you choose to live it. Hallelujah. We had some lengthier things in the beginning part of our service, and so it's gotten a little bit late. But I will say this. I'm going to dismiss you. But if you want or need prayer for anything, I'm going to be down here. Maybe some of my elders will join me if they don't have other responsibilities. God bless you. Go in his peace. Be used by him this week. But if you want someone to pray with you about something, I'll be down here. Maybe a couple of others will be down here too. God bless you. Greet one another as you leave. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org.